Welcome to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings from Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith, and today we'll be hearing something a little different. In 1964, the Communist Party of China released a collection of Mao speeches and statements titled Quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. Small, easily carried and bound in bright red, it became commonly known as the Little Red Book and went on to become the most important tool of propaganda during the Cultural Revolution. Here to tell me about Mao's Little Red Book is James Leibold. He's an Associate Professor in Politics and Philosophy at La Trobe University and he's a collector. Part 1 paper tigers and yes the part titles will be taken from quotations of Mao's little red book no i mean my i guess my first experience with uh, the red book uh, came when i first visited china as a 22 year old college student from america in 1988 i was studying at the time in nanjing and i've always had a fascination with the cultural revolution the maoist period and a kind of obsession about collecting old books and i was at a old market and there was this old bookseller, and there I saw on the ground, because he'd had all his wares out on the ground, this uh, red-covered book, and uh, you know, I asked to have a look at it. Didn't really know much about it. It wasn't like the kind of classic quotes of Chairman Mao, but it was a, a selection of his works, and asked him if I could buy it, and he said, yeah, sure, you know, 10 kwai, which is probably about, you know, a dollar and a half. And that kind of set me on the way of kind of collecting these things. And uh, I went back to the old man on subsequent weekends, and he always had another couple copies. Bought up everything he had, told my friends about it. My friends went back. More appear, you know, they just kind of kind of coming out of the woodworks. But then when I went back to China in 97 and studied for another year in Nanjing, it was far more commercialized. All these kind of curio markets where you could buy little red books. Uh, but the price, of course, had gone through... The roof. I mean, now you're talking 100 kwai, you know, 20 or so dollars. Now um, it's just filled with fakes. There are so many counterfeits now. People swindling, largely foreigners, who come along and say, well, I'll get a work of Chairman Mao and, you know, we'll be charged up to four or five hundred dollars for something that's completely fake. So when you look at the Little Red Book, it's important to realize the power of the printed word. By distributing it in large quantities, the Communist Party could put the thoughts of Mao into every pocket. The party has always, I guess, collected and published the works of its its leaders. And it was really only in the 1970s when um, Lin Biao, the head of the People's Liberation Army, got involved in kind of creating this cult of personality around Mao that his very words became uh, something to guide everybody in their daily life. And in order to do that, you needed to have a kind of convenient way to carry around, you know, the select works of Chairman Mao as five volumes, you know, each of several hundred pages, you needed something that was more compact. And so hence these little red books, red being the revolutionary color, and then there were select quotations of Chairman Mao. One of the myths about the so-called little red book is it's not a single book. You know, there was, there was a whole range of genres. You know, they had books that were the anthologies of the works of Mao and Lenin, Marx, ones that were pitched at different uh, age groups. So you had versions for little kids, versions for people who were going senile, the whole variety of little red books. You know, it went global. I mean, they were published in English and they were distributed uh, globally in different countries. You know, so it's not a single version of it, but as they've become commodified, people have kind of gotten the game of kind of reproducing them and, you know, creating fake ones. I've seen numerous fake ones, mainly the English ones. Mm. You can tell when you look at some of them, they look newer, but it's hard to know. You know, some of them 
well well used, others weren't. I mean, one of the, the stats that just kind of blows my mind away every time I think about it and tell my students about it is that by the time of Mao's death in 1976, there were 40 billion copies of Chairman Mao's works. So that's the equivalence of 15 volumes for every man, woman, and child in China at the time. So, mm. I mean, the, you know, the sheer number of these things is, is quite phenomenal. But I've had students come back. I remember I had a student last year come back and say, oh, look at I, you know, got, you know, when I was in Shanghai. And I took one look at it and I could tell it was a, it was a counterfeit. It was a fake, you know. Oh, I hope I don't come back with a counterfeit copy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you the good place to go. Panjai Yuan, that's where I've gotten a lot of mine. But, yeah. Uh, when we think about the, the book, it's actually just one aspect of this cult of personality. So you had life-size and, and bigger-than-life-size statues. You had little figurines, clocks, watches, uh, buttons. Buttons became very popular and still collected today, little kind of... I, I got back home a red phone. I really don't know the origin of it. I don't know if it was an important red phone to ring, uh, but there it has uh, at the center of the dial a picture of Mao and his... Uh, his left-hand man, um, Lin Biao. And just, uh, I suppose, in households as well, a picture on the wall of Mao. Yes, of course, I left out uh, probably the most uh, ubiquitous form of um, iconography of Mao, the portraits of him. During the Cultural Revolution, they would be in every room, every classroom, every household. Uh, of course, the most famous one is that one that sits over the Gate of Heavenly Peace, um, uh, looking into Tiananmen Square, where it's... Uh, taken down uh, every couple months in, in the middle of the night and kind of refreshed. I mean, that stood there from the moment that the Chinese Communist Party seized power in Beijing in 1949, and there it stands today. I mean, another thing to kind of keep an eye out, I always say to my students, if you find one of these, come write to me and I'll give you a fair price for it. So this is the classic uh, quotations from Chairman Mao. And originally they were produced by um, the head of the People's Liberation Army, Lin Biao. And Lin Biao was involved in really creating the cult of personality around Mao and producing these books. And so after the photo of Chairman Mao, which appears in all the little red books, you had a can photo I, can I see that? of Lin Biao. It was the second page after Chairman Mao. And so Lin Biao became Mao's chosen successor in the 1960s uh, during the Cultural Revolution. But unfortunately, he ran afoul of Mao. There are claims that he plotted a coup d'etat and he uh, was caught, or at least his plane was shot down, trying to escape over uh, outer Mongolia. He was declared a, a huge traitor, and everyone was told to go to your little red books and to rip out that page of Lin Biao. And so I've, I've never seen one, but if you ever see one with a picture of Lin Biao in it, uh, and you can see, you can actually see, if you look at carefully on this one, you can see oh, so that the page has uh, been torn out. Oh, uh, yeah, down the spine there yeah, was a yeah. page there, so somebody's, somebody's ripped that page out. Yeah, yeah. So, as, if you've, as so if you've got it with that in there. Oh, you're sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> say, Come see me. <laughs> I'll give you a fair price for it. Part two, to read too many books is harmful. Tell me about your collection of it. How many different sorts of copies and audiences and what do you have? How yeah, many I mean, I, have? I probably have about 30, 40 maybe. I mean, I've got things like essentially short versions of the select works of Chairman Mao. So they would be full-on speeches. This is the iconic uh, quotations of Chairman Mao, probably the one that was most popular during the Cultural Revolution. And it's just got very short you know, quotes from uh, speeches or uh, written works of Chairman Mao organized around certain themes. One here that was uh, written for um, small children, so the grammar and um, condensed version of some of Mao's ideas. 
uh, written in a really kind of simple form for young kids to be able to read. To get them young. Yeah, get them young. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone was expected to sort of carry around a, a copy in their breast pocket. It didn't matter if you were, you know, in adolescence or senior citizen or whether you're an ethnic minority or a member of the Han majority. Everyone was kind of expected to carry those works and to study them. In fact, there are several versions, and I don't have this one, but that actually asked really practical questions like, um, you know, what to do if I have a disagreement with one of my colleagues at work? And it would then point you to pages in the quotations of Chairman Mao where you'd get insight into how to handle kind of daily problems. Like, what if I find my working conditions aren't up to my satisfaction? And there'll be a quote about Mao about the importance of austerity and, you know, avoiding pleasure-seeking in an attempt to kind of provide a guide, an ideological guide for people in their daily lives. And not to kind of question, I guess, uh, the authority of Mao or the authority of the, the Chinese Communist Party, but rather to live by the dictates of the great son in the East, uh, Chairman Mao. You know, the only thing that sort of they share in common is the red uh, cover, this kind of plastic uh, protective cover. You know, when we think about the little red book, well, red is the common color. And they're not necessarily little. I mean, they do vary in size, but... I guess what they uh, have in common is that they relate back to the, the works of Chairman Mao. They have a red cover, and they were you know, generally smaller than a full-size book. That cover, it's, it's waterproof to some extent. Uh, can stand the test of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Part three, in waking a tiger, use a long stick. Another tiger analogy. Somebody's got a preoccupation. Anyway, the Chinese Communist Party had a big problem following the death of Mao. What do you do with his legacy? You know, Mao was kind of like both Lenin and Stalin for the Chinese Communist Party. They couldn't uh, turf one uh, without damaging the other. And so the party was in a difficult position. So what they did was they began to kind of quietly pulp the works uh, of Chairman Mao. So you had the Xinhua News Agency that literally, you know, would, would grind up some of the, the unsold copies slowly as um, new developments uh, went up. You know, statues would be removed or portraits would be put down as uh, as renovation work went along. Officially, though, the party couldn't completely get rid of Mao. Uh, they needed to, their legitimacy was really tied to his uh, legacy. And so they came up with the so-called 30-70 equation in the 1981 party resolution on some questions about CCP history, where they said Mao essentially did more good than he did harm. They never quantified in terms of 70-30, but the idea was that, yes, he made some mistakes in the Cultural Revolution, but overall his contribution to the Chinese Revolution was far greater. And as a result, you know, his portrait stays over Tiananmen Square, his body is embalmed uh, in Tiananmen Square, and his legacy is still remembered by many people uh, quite fondly in China today. I feel that there's some kind of attempt to establish a this man was bigger than his axe kind of status to Mao. You see lots of people with, say, Che Guevara on their shirt having absolutely no concept of what he means or what he stood for. And then, you know, you've got Chairman Mao being idolised to some point, but nobody realising, especially outside of China, nobody outside of China really remembering the impact that he had on on the Chinese people and the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, I mean, essentially Mao and Mao's image has become a kind of free-floating signifier of sorts, and so different people read different things into it. 
So, you know, there's the kind of global Mao that, you know, is so disembodied from, from China. It's the, the Mao, you know, of Andy Warhol, you know, the playing of his image and putting it on T-shirts. And Mike Tyson's got a tattoo of Chairman Mao on his arm, yeah. Inside China, though, it's slightly different in the sense it's tied up with all kinds of misplaced nostalgia, consumption as well. So Mao is very much still very much alive in, in many regards. And as a result, you know, he has to be dealt with very carefully by Chinese political leaders, you know. They're always kind of stepping around Mao and trying not to offend people who still see him as a, a great revolutionary leader, but at the same time, you know, trying to admit that there were some serious problems that occurred during the Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward. I, I tell you, Panjiao Yuan, I told you, that is the place to go. I'll, There's I'll no go, shortage of I'll stuff. I'll go there and I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can pass the little red book test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what you bring back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Part four. I am a lone monk, walking the world with a leaky umbrella. James, challenge accepted. On a subsequent trip to China, I travelled to Panjiyuan in Beijing. It was a sprawling open-air market of statues, food, jade trinkets, and here and there, old copies of the Little Red Book. Price negotiation was done through the time-honoured tradition of using a calculator app on the phone. And I soon learnt the art of walking away if I didn't like the price. No, it's okay. I, I think about it. Okay. 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 Hey. Hi. Hi. I returned to Melbourne with three little red books and got Jim Leibold back in the interview chair so that he could assess them. <laughs> I can't wait to see. They look a little bit well, kind of uh, thumbed. So that's a good sign. Some of these merchants will actually dirty up. Some of the books or oh, magazines. Oh, don't tell me that. Or, uh, but, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'll, I should be able to have a... Okay, so know. in the proud tradition of a fool and his money is soon parted, <laughs> this cost me 50. 50, so that's quite uh, oh, wait, inexpensive. Wait, wait. So 50 is about 10 Australian dollars, well, so this, uh, a little this, bit more. This is the first one I, was bu I bought. It was from an established kind of shop inside... And the person who ran it was selling a lot of, it looked like stuff that was, you know, salvaged from war. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of old American stuff yeah. like typewriters and sewing machines yeah. and what have you. And she had a, a stack of little red books there. Yeah. This one looked old and well <laughs> used. It's got some paint on the with, back with or something paint, it looks like. Yeah. A date, which is quite handy. Hmm, 1968, right? Is that right? 1968, 31st of May. Yeah. I assume somebody's name. And when you look through it, oh, look, they've underlined handy passages, which mm. they think are quite appropriate. So I'll hand that over to you for your expert eye. What is that? The title is actually, yeah, Chairman Mao discusses historiography. Uh, so it's a particular collection of essays uh, from Mao on history. Mm. Who, um, who's the name in the front? Uh, Jia Fu Lin. You know, on face value, I'm thinking this looks pretty authentic. Yeah, uh, those pages are well faded, dirtied, and kind of it's sullied. You know, the paper quality is what you'd expect from that. You know, the underlining is a quite a common practice uh, amongst Chinese readers of intellectual works. You know, this is one of many books that fit under the kind of broad banner of what we would call the little red books, but you know, more specialized books. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a preface here by someone 
and his name has been crossed out, and I can't really, I can't make out the name. But that's quite common as well, because, you know, as people, um, people fell, fell out of favor during the Cultural Revolution that occurred quite often. Yeah. They would then be kind of expunged either by having a page ripped out or, in this case, the blacking out of this individual's name. All right, yeah. And so, and so most of the essays, I'm just looking at them, quotations from not only Mao, but also people like Lin Biao and others mm-hmm. uh, discussing the, I guess, the science of history or historiography. But I think we can definitely conclude this one's legit, so I think you did quite well, Matt. 50 kwai. 50 kwai. For, for this, what was the starting price, may I ask? Uh, no, well, see, me being so thrilled to find something that looked authentic said yes as soon as oh, she so said yeah. the price. So, you <laughs> so know, I was... You I paid was, way too much, mate. I was, I was eager. I betrayed my eagerness. Yeah. But after that, I went searching further around the market. I'll now show you the second book that I got. This guy was selling a bunch of stuff on the ground and he had, unfortunately, old coins and old paraphernalia and, and that kind of stuff. And I bought this little red book from him. It's maybe a bit more standard. It's got a lot more pictures, which, uh, considering what you said uh, last time we talked, Lin Biao. So, and it's in color, which um, immediately concerns me because you don't see too many oh dear. Okay. colored um photographs in books around that time well that kind of dates it as a late cultural revolution and should be a date in here yeah so the date here is 1966 october 1966 is that a printed date yeah that's a printed date and originally it cost um under one uh, kwai or 60 60 cents yes and you paid how much for this one i paid 40 for that one 40 okay uh, so you paid a little bit over the uh, the uh, actual <laughs> price, which you should next time show to the merchant uh, just to show them that you know how much this thing is worth. You know, it looks significantly old, you know, in terms of the color of quality of the paper. But it also, it also looks, you can see with some of the uh, pages, the printing on the page doesn't quite match up. It varies from page to page. Yeah. So it does look like it's some type of reproduction. mm you know, here you go. I, t- I tell you why, it's dodgy. I, oh, t- no. I, t- I just nailed it. Okay. The photos do not match with the text because the text in the back says it's clearly 1966, okay? Yeah. Now, if you're looking at the photos, this one here with Mao and Lin Biao is dated 1969. Right. Okay. okay. All right. So these photos do not match the date of the text in the back. And so what I suspect is somebody's kind of reproduced the back and then combined it with photos. Of course, photos are great, particularly for foreigners like you who can't (laughs) read Chinese, that this is a perfect thing to get a young foreign boy who's come by. So I think now that I'm looking at it, it's definitely very dodgy. Okay. And in fact, the content seems a little bit different as well but definitely a fake. All right. <laughs> so one from two. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that that was my suspect one. This one. It's got a nice little It's got uh, a box, nice little uh, slip case. Yeah. Certainly the uh, case is a bit battered and bruised. And, you know, it's got that little uh, red uh, bookmarker. Usually comes from rather good quality uh, Chinese books of that era. This is uh, the selected works of Chairman Mao. Okay. So it's different from the quotations of Chairman Mao, that kind of iconic little yeah. red book. This is more a kind of collection 
of Mao's full OVR of works. Um, I, I thought it'd be something a bit different because it it's quite a chunky volume. It's not something that you'd want to put in your back pocket or anything. Yeah, and what it says is it's combined in a single volume. So I think that the party got together and they kind of uh, selected out the most representative or most influential writings of Chairman Mao and then they, they published them together as a series. Mm. I think today the standard version, at least in English, is a five-volume set of uh, Chairman Mao's right, uh, yeah. works. Yeah, it begins with his analysis on class divisions in Chinese society, which I think, and then his reports on the Hunan peasant movement, which from memory seems to correspond quite clearly with the standard collected works of Chairman Mao. Mm. So, you know, this, this, looks, this looks very legit. And it was, says it's published in 1968. I have no suspicions that this is a, a forgery. Well, if you're going to make a forgery, why bother with a slipcase? Part of me. Yeah, and so what did you pay for this one? Well, he had two copies of that. By that time, I had two copies of the Little Red Book and was there going, oh, this is quite a nice one. It's got a slipcase and everything, but I'm quite happy to walk away from it. I'll give you 30. Hmm. And he didn't like that price at all. So I walked away and he's brought me back over and he said, I'll give you this other one for 30, which looked a lot like that, but it had this picture of Mao, yeah. but it didn't have the writing below it, the other one. Huh. That's oh. interesting. He was, they're almost exactly the same, Yeah. but he's willing to sell you this and not that one. Yeah. Which- yeah, kind of meant something. One was, you know, at least less dear in his eyes, and then the other one. Yes. Um, so, uh, so thirty. I got it for thirty. Yeah, I reckon that's a bargain. Yeah, that's a really I was good pretty price. Ha- pretty happy with that one. Another sign of its authenticity is it's got a name of uh, the individual who owned it at some stage, Ma Biao or something. No, I didn't notice that. And also, it says it's interesting. It says it's um, an internal military publication. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe means that, that the individual who bought it and owned it initially was uh, part of the military, quite possibly. Mm. So good. I think that's a good. You, you did well there, man. <laughs> did <laughs> 30 well. quad. That's a fantastic purchase. That's James Leibold, an associate professor in the Department of Politics and Philosophy at La Trobe University. And you've been listening to Asia Rising. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you like it, please leave a review, as feedback is always appreciated. You can follow both myself and James Leibold on Twitter. James is at jlibold, and I'm at NightlightGuy. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening.